class is in session. Rosie O'Donnell, welcome to Unlearn 16 classes in session. I can't, look, I, I can't begin to thank you enough for being here. I don't even know quite how this rolled into happening. It's uh, been a bit of whirlwind. Uh, but well, you know, there, there are people that I watch or listen to, whatever you want to, I consume TikTok wise. And you're one of them. I love your posts. I love how smart you are. I love you talking about Canadian politics that I don't even understand, but it makes me eager to learn right. you know, the way your system works up there. And uh, so when you asked, you said nicely on the video, Rosie, would you do my podcast? I Thank said, you. yes. He's, that's the Canadian in me. It's the nicely yeah. part. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah, and I've been watching, you know, I've, I've watched you forever. I, I wasn't joking when I have a League of Their Own tattoo across my wrist. Um, so I've been watching you forever, watching your talk show, watching you on The View, and then watching you, like, now come into, like, I follow your Twitter and come into all these amazing political ideals. And that's what obviously inspires me. Um, yeah. I mean, that was always a big thing in my family. I remember when my mother was alive, she died in 73, but, oh, you know, wow. she was always uh, McGovern and, you know, we were, we went down to McGovern headquarters as a kid with my mom, I remember. And, you know, it was just pretty always, we were a blue dog Democrat family. Like, right. you know, we were as Kennedy loving as the Irish families come and, all of the Irish families. Yes. He, he's like the patron saint of all the Irish. And oh. um, it it always was the reason that I decided to go into entertainment. I knew there was power in the medium. And I also knew that there would be a way to make social change and, and for the social good. Wow. We like, obviously I'm nowhere close to, to what you've called, not even in the same hemisphere, but it's really interesting because when I started this, I mean, I started TikTok, I, you know, locked down and life was crazy and everything like that. And I lip sank and I did those things. And then when I started talking about politics, um, I realized that is who I am. So I started driving that, that train. And I had some people from different political parties say, how about you come run? How about, you know, we just had an election up here. Um, why don't you come run? And I've, I really thought about it and I thought everything that is real about me, everything that, that I believe in and I can fight for and I can articulate, I know for a fact it's going to be muted if I did that, yes. if I stepped into that arena. Whereas here, I get to have amazing conversations with people like you and maybe people are listening and maybe it affects some change and maybe they think just a little bit differently. And I think it's just so much more power. So, you know, it is, you know, it, it is powerful. And, and this new platform where people can carry you around in their pocket and, you know, I never see anyone's eyes in public. I, you know, I get to my, um, to my pickup to pick up my daughter hmm. and I'm there early and I see, do all the other parents get out and talk? No. no. Everybody's on their iPhone, right? right? Everyone's checking their TikTok. And um, I miss that, you know, but this new delivery platform has changed the way that we as humans relate to each other. And when you see that, like that divide, the kids that are, you know, in their 20s, not being able to sort of get out of the game mm -hmm. because they had it their whole life, you know, my daughter, who's on the spectrum, is completely connected to the iPad. 
in a way that I've never seen anyone before, unless it was in severe addiction, an adult in severe addiction. And so, you know, we're working with some therapists. We're trying to figure out how to have this be not such a do or die world. But sometimes she'll say to me, mommy, I want to live in that world, you know, but that world is not available for living. Wow. Wow. That's a powerful statement, right? Right. It's only available for playing. It's not Mm -hmm. available for you. You can't, you're never going to be able to jump in there. Right. I I hope to God she doesn't try a virtual reality headset because (laughs) I think we might lose her. Right. I would expect it's a very safe space for her. Totally. Especially because, you know, she's eight. She has really no interest in, in anything other than the game. She Mm -hmm. reads, you know, below her age level, but can sort of ascertain what's going on. But she has no like desire to chat with anyone than the guy standing next to her about going to dig up some Minecraft obsidian. (laughs) I don't understand Minecraft. Neither do I. And I've tried. Right. No. Well, and it's fascinating, this world we've created. And I, and I think it's all, it's all just steps, right? It's interesting. We're on a podcast right now and I'm explaining it to some older people. I'm like, explain it to my mom or my grandma wants to listen. I'm like, it's kind of like the radio. Like right, right now we're on here. And my grandma's like, well, why would you, why are we going back to the radio? I'm like, well, because people are now dying for conversation. They're dying for, they're, they're trying to get back something that we've lost, which yes. is exactly what I want to be, be able to do here, which is a good conversation, right? A healthy debate, you, you know, rather than civility. You know, there's like, there's, there's no civility. And even within myself, I find it yesterday, two (laughs) lesbians, you might know their name. I, I, I'm not good with people's names, but they're a couple. And the, the one woman is a little older. They're both blonde. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. They they get on there and say yesterday we're unvaccinated and we're prep. I was like, what in God's green earth? If we've lost the lesbians, we're in trouble, you know? (laughs) So, you know, I wrote them a little snide thing, like, get educated. Come on, ladies, you know, and then I blocked them because I was so angry, you know, and um, the little one leaves a video message saying, we just want to talk. We're lesbian conservatives. I'm like, when did this become a cult or a group? Lesbian conservatism? Is there a whole section of that that I'm missing? I, I don't know when that happened. I don't I don't know when our rights and the progress we have made sometimes somehow reverts back to this. I don't know. And I mean, you guys have a much more right wing political system in general, but it's like people love the words economy. Um, You know, we want our businesses to do well. And unfortunately, I think there's two kinds of people. There's people who feel like if our economy is driving and healthy, everything else will get better. And then there's the second person who knows, like rational people, if our society isn't healthy, if we're not good, if we're not equitable, the economy's always going to be garbage. It's going to be unsustainable. It's going to be oppressive, right? It's it's never going to carry on. But everybody's so concerned with what's in their pocketbook now. Yeah. And it's hard to know how this nation will heal the divide because- 
you know, I have these neighbors and they're four um, little kids under the age of seven, four girls. Right. And the mother and the father, it was both of them lovely. And they were all playing outside and then they came in our house and they use our pool and we go over to their house the first time. And there I see on their wine rack, MAGA hats, make America great again. And I literally didn't know what to do. And I didn't see them for a while, like a couple of weeks. And she says, what happened? What happened? I was like, do you want to know the truth? I saw your hats. I saw your hats. And <laughs> that made it an unsafe space for me mm. right away. And, and she said, oh, Rosie, we have people with all different political beliefs. It's just, you know, we're uh, Persian Jews and, and we, um, you know, su- uh, agree with what he did in Israel and, you know, there there are certain factions that only vote one issue, and it seems as though that's this family. Because, you know, truthfully, I made an effort to get involved in their life because I didn't want to be like someone who would exclude someone's kindness and, and disregard all of the positivity that had come from this family mm-hmm. and just hold on to my, and they voted for that Nazi, you know? 100%. And I, I said to them, that's what it feels like. I'm a Jew and that's a SWAT sticker. And mm-hmm. I not ever want, I want you to know how serious it is for me. It's not Absolutely. a joke, you know? I, I have an interesting question for you, actually. Well, we, whatever, well, we, maybe we'll get to the other stuff later because that's, that's a great, I, I, I've, I'm very pro-vaccine. We have vaccine passports up here in order to go certain places, not everywhere. Um, you need to be vaccinated. And I, a lot of people, from what I understand, not the Jewish community, but a lot of people are comparing, or sorry, are comparing vaccine passports and forced vaccinations, and they're saying, "Oh, well, it's just like Nazi camps." Like, where are your papers? Right. Yeah, and I'm. I mean, I my school. I have had spoken to so many Holocaust survivors. I have never once spoken to somebody who feels that way. Um, but it's like this thing that they get to use where it's like, it's supposed to pull on your heartstrings because this was such a horrible thing. But do they understand how much they're diminishing the Holocaust when they yeah. compare it? Yes. Like, they're do they diminishing the Holocaust? Exactly. And, you know, there's a certain, you know, group of people who share the belief that the Holocaust is off limits, you know, but uh, I think the Holocaust should be brought up and used as an example when it's applicable. Um, you know, in society. So we don't forget. So that all those people, the Shoah project, the Spielberg brilliance that, that he did and putting that whole thing together, imagine a legacy like that, you know, um, that is a a vital thing. You know, Lee, this little woman that I, older (laughs) woman that I walk with every day, she got out of, um, Poland. Oh, wow. Was her uncle was, already emigrated to London. Mm -hmm. And she was telling me she remembered when the Nazis came in her, she was five when they came into her house and they had a bag and they would just take their stuff and they were taking their stuff and they took her little travel clock and put it in there. So when her mother wasn't looking, she went and grabbed it back out and, you know, risking death for all of the, but she was five right? and she had these visceral memories that she was still telling me at 87 of escaping Poland at five years old, you know, and we can't ever let those memories die. We can't ever let 
what happened to this country in the last four years happen mm-hmm. again, because we were really as close to uh, the ending of democracy as it's possible to come. And if we didn't learn from that lesson of Trump, then I fear for democracy on the whole. I, you know, I agree 100% across the board. My, my question is this. Do you think that, so uh, I'm going to put him aside. I don't even like giving him publicity, even saying his name, but do you think, because I know a lot of people, I mean, he allowed that to propagate. He he gave, he emboldened people within the United States to get up and march with those. He, with he encouraged them. Yes, he encouraged Absolutely. And he, you know, organized and directed and instigated the insurrection. And, oh. you know, for that, I mean, why they want us, the United States, to deny what we saw live on television. It's insane. Right. And then to to call that just a normal day of tourism in the United States, it is absolutely batshit crazy. A hundred percent. Batshit crazy. And it, it's this, uh, it's like he, he was able to create it when he started and he came up with that whole, you know, um, then the media is lying to you. Everything is just a, an example of the truth. You know what I mean? Everything is manipulation. I feel as though, unfortunately, he was setting it up for when he needed to manipulate. So if he said that the media was lying all the time, he was setting it up for when he could actually use that in his defense. But he's right? so dumb that I don't think that there was forethought in what he did. I think, according to Michael Cohen, who is a friend of mine who I met when he was in prison there, um, he was the one who had written all those horrible things about me. It wasn't Trump. He's right. not the comedy writer of the... Right, it was Michael Cohen coming up with these disses. And, mm-hmm. you know, so when I sort of reached out to Michael Cohen to thank him for turning state's evidence against Trump, uh, you know, he wrote back meekly and said, you realize I'm the one who did that to you. I wow. said, I do. And I realize that and, and I forgive you because wow. what you've done by being the closest person to him to tell the truth is going to uh, save the country. And, you know, now what's coming out with, you know, the generals having to call China and say, don't worry, we, we're, we've taken him off the nuke button. I mean, they essentially did that. Mm-hmm. They knew he was crazy enough that they had to call other countries to go, we know he's crazy and we will not attack you. I am the one in charge, said that general. Do you, you know, do you worry about what he tapped into in the United States? Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. Every worst human instinct. Yeah. Every pretense, every fallacy, every used car salesman slash showbiz executive. You know, I I blame Mark Burnett, the man who created The Apprentice, because he took a lie and made it the truth and made it the number one selling show in America. It got higher grades, the finale or viewers rather than the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. It was for six years or so the number one show that everyone watched. And um, he convinced the vast majority of these people, at least 50 percent that everything he said about Trump was real. And in actuality, you know, they didn't even have a boardroom at Trump Enterprises before Mark Burnett showed up and made a fake one with walls you could take down in the hallway. And, you know, he was sold 
as the truth by a man who knew he was a lie. And how does that guy sleep at night? It's it's all fake news, right? He it's it's like that he he was built upon that premise. He took the worst of Hollywood. Have you ever seen the movie Wag the Dog? Oh yes. Okay, so every time I think about Trump, I think about that movie because I really and and it's the whole in that movie the president was secondary secondary to the action too because it was never him, right? He wasn't smart enough and he was in trouble all the time. It was everybody around him that was able to manipulate and create this false illusion for people to buy into. Um, and the scary part is it's all premised in fear. Yes. Right? Yes. And we always only have two choices, faith or fear. Mm-hmm. In every situation you can break down till the that's it. Are you going to be afraid or are you going to be have faith? You know, and, and, and I mean that in the most, totalitarian kind of way. Like you have to decide what that means to you to have faith, to have hope. It is to me to move forward, to continue to dream, to follow some values that are such your core identity that you have no option, but to, to treat them with respect and, and hold them high and to your own standard, you know, um, it's really, uh, it's really a difficult spiritual journey that we're all on in this, in these bodies that we get to rent for, yeah. you know, 60, or if we're lucky, like Lee, 90 years. Right. Right. I think that, yeah. And I, I think that's all incredibly true. And I think going back to the platform, you know, the TikTok platform we are on, or even this amazing world of like, I've been a teacher for almost 20 years and all of a sudden I'm on TikTok doing this. I have a podcast. I, I, I'm sitting here talking to you, like the ability to connect to amazing people and then put that out there. This gives us so much more power than yes. we've ever had before. I agree. And you think what uh, TikTokers did to that first debate that he was going to and, you know, in his big rally. I mean, when that happened, I was like, let me look into TikTok. Because exactly. I really thought that was pretty damn good. And then and, went to Texas? Yeah. Right? Right. I was thinking this. And then they freed Britney Spears. They really <laughs> did. They took her out of really bondage and imprisonment. And it was her fans who would not give up. Who would, this community of people here that, you know, I think if it wasn't during the pandemic, TikTok would never have exploded the way it did. No. It was everyone at their most lonely, their most vulnerable they're most needy of connections of human connections. And you can make a facsimile of it here on TikTok, but mm-hmm. it's not quite it, you know, until you meet the person in person, it's not quite, you know, uh, quite, quite there. But, but what an amazing start. I mean, when I, I was before this whole pandemic, obviously I was a teacher and kids would come up, Joanna, did you see this TikTok? I'm like, stop showing me insanity. I can't stop like with the phones and the, I don't want to see it. Right. And then I'm locked in my own house by myself. And all of a sudden I'm like, fine, fine. And I tapped into, and I know there's a lot of hate on TikTok and there can be some bad elements. You know, sometimes people like you get shadow banned. What was that about? And, uh, <laughs> But there's such great people on this app. I agree. I have met some amazing people and I've, you know, watched and not even necessarily participated in some others that I just follow their story. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's really 
a touching, heartwarming kind of human exchange that, you know, and I find myself sometimes if it's at night and Dakota's asleep and I'm sitting here and I I go through and there's somebody crying, you know, saying I'm not going to make it. I'm like, okay, let's see what we could do to, you know, you might, you don't know, sending a little thing, a message of encouragement, you know, and if it's from someone that they enjoy, that makes it all that much better. And, you know, I feel a responsibility with it. Like I I don't feel a a casualness with it. It, And that's why at the beginning, when I first started, all I, I, I did was watch people screaming, oh my God, it's Rosie O'Donnell, you know, for the first six months, because it was so intense that that people sort of did that and and created that rosy freaking O'Donnell out of nowhere. Yeah, well, but it's a, it's amazing because it's it's a different celebrity. Like um, you know, back in the day if you think of like old school like Katherine Hepburn and and those lovely old school and then you think about how closed off they were from the public. And then you get paparazzi era, which was horrible because then there was just this one image that you got of, of celebrities. And it was usually this horrific kind of let's catch them at their worst, at their most vulnerable. Right. And now look at this. So you have anybody who has any, any desire whatsoever to be authentic. Nobody can stand in your way now. That's why I love it. That's why I said to my, you know, publicist a few years ago, I'm like, you know, you're antiquated. We don't need you now. Mm-hmm. I can say what I want to say. I don't have to go call my publicist. And then, you know, there was a time when publicists and studio heads and, and, you know, movie studios could get together and craft an image for you and where you had to obey the way that they wanted to sell you. And if, you know, you're Rock Hudson and you're queer or if you're, you know, somebody who has a big political voice, they're not going to want that. They're going to silence you and and try to make you fear that you're not going to work again, you know, as if anyone can rob you of your talent by, you know, saying that you're bad. I Like, it, it didn't it make sense. I, every time I would do something that was controversial, like standing up to Trump or saying that about Trump, I remember before I said that on The View, Joy Behar said, are you really going to do that? I said, yes. She said, aren't you afraid? And I said, of what? Of Donald Trump saying bad things about me? Is that that what I'm going to be afraid of? That this old, disgusting, decrepit, rapist, serial liar, child abuse. I mean, I don't know if he was a child abuser, but sure looks like it with his inappropriate and sexual nations to his daughter mm-hmm. you know, that we're all supposed to see and not mention mm-hmm. we're not supposed to mention that people go crazy. If you mention that, well, it's pretty creepy from where I sit. A hundred percent. Now when you, so you're on the view, you're like, that's it. I'm saying it at that point in your career. Cause I'm assuming earlier in your career, you would have contemplated what you said and how you said it, you know, there, you have to be a little bit cognizant of that. Or were you always like, you know what, I'm going to say exactly what I want to say when I want to say it. Or did you get to that point? Cause I know as I'm 46 now, uh, I, I always had a big mouth, but, but as I've gotten older, I've gotten way more comfortable in that, you know, you know, when, when my show first came on, it was supposed to be Merv Griffin, just an hour of, you know, lovely entertainment, people kind to each other and, 
I always imagine they'd go out afterwards for a nice meal together, you know, Sammy right. Davis Jr. and Merv Griffin and Toady Fields, you know, right. it was my, my dream of what it was like. And, and I thought showbiz was going to be just, just like that, that I'd get to know Barbara and I bet. And, um, I would, you know, go to their house with Liza on a Saturday and we'd all sit around the piano and, you know, listen, it didn't happen. There's no it happen. What, honey? It didn't happen? Not once? Listen, I've been at Liza's parties. I've been at Bette Midler's parties. So I guess it has happened. But it doesn't ever feel like, you know, I would imagine it would feel. But isn't that right. like, you know? Showbiz is a little bit of, you know, uh, boy George said during Taboo, fame is the impending glittering disaster. Yeah. Uh gosh ain't that the truth yeah it's true on so like it's just true on so many levels in so many different ways like when we think about what goes on in hollywood a lot of people separate like hollywood and the in the media and you know this facebook thing that's going on right now and so many people separate them from society but i really think it's such this amazing beautiful horrific devastating reflection of society mm-hmm. i don't know if it's much different well, my brother Eddie always used to say when they would complain about celebrities online, he'd say, well, you know what? If you were working at the gas station, the guy in the garage was giving you just as much trouble as, you know what I'm saying? That it was a microcosm of just a societal and personal interrelationships in a confined space, mm-hmm. you know, enough to make a sitcom, right? You Absolutely. Know? It just wasn't televised. It wasn't on the front of the paper. Right. So- So you didn't see it like that. And you think that they live such different, interesting lives. But but really, it's just it's very, very reflective, you know, Um, I want to put on that illusion. Like I never bought into the, you know, showbiz like you have to be glamorous and you have to be, um, you know, made up. And I didn't really buy into it. I mean, at the beginning of my career, I think I had to. Sometimes I see myself with long hair and on the show. And I'm like, wow, that was a long time ago. You know, like it almost feels like a different me, but you have to realize that's half my life ago, right? I'm going to be 60. That's, you know, 30 years is pretty big chunk, right? From there to here. But, um, you know, people like to live in the illusion of Hollywood, but I don't, I love when people say, you mean she just knocked on your door, Lee and asked to walk. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And you mean you actually go to the grocery store? Yep. And you fill up your own car with gas? Yep. And you answer your own Twitter and YouTube? Yeah, I do. That's Mm -hmm. me. As somebody thinks, people will say to me, oh, Madonna doesn't write her own TikTok. I'm like, yeah, she does. (laughs) She does. Oh, of course she would. Everyone thinks that it's this big machine that everyone, but you know, your life is so, uh, it's so typical without, with just gross exaggerations in some areas, mm-hmm. you know, it's gross exaggeration. It's like, um, limitless. You have a limitless feeling that for an adult is really intoxicating. I think for a kid is, uh, earth shattering. It's hard to find your equilibrium when you're in the midst of that. And, you know, everyone in the family is involved in it and you're getting on a private plane and there's paparazzi outside. And did you have the life vest on Parker when you went in the boat? Cause they took a picture and now they're saying you're a bad mother. And, 
you know, like you're living in a constant swirl, like of a, a snow globe. Yeah, absolutely. It, it never really calms down enough for you to um, have a clear perspective. When do you think that happened for you? Um, my children are now throwing notes under my door. That's amazing. Dakota. <laughs> okay. If somebody's out there, they're listening, but that's all right with me. Uh, I think it's Dakota trying to listen because oh, she, okay. she knew I was on the computer. So she got oh. excited. Um, but um, sorry, where was I? Uh, when did that happen for you? When did you, when did you get a little bit more of an equilibrium? When could you step back and say, this is who I am. This is what I want. And to heck with everything else. It took a long time after I left my show. Yeah. But I felt a freedom when I left my show. I felt like, you know, my book had come out and 9-11 had just happened in, you know, September. And then in uh, March, my book came out that talked about me being gay and, you know, me having a partner with Kelly at the time. And, right. um, and it didn't really make a splash as it shouldn't. We were all still in shock over 9-11. And um, I remember a few months after that book came out, being free and walking down the street with headphones on and thinking, I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have anything to do. And this is what freedom is really like. Now I'm not saying that a job like I had is, uh, you know, imprisoning. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah. Like when you go in the big surf, you know, sometimes those surfers don't come out. Right. <laughs> and you know, for me, I went out there and I surfed for six years and I got my ass back to the shore, you know, because it's dangerous out there. It is. And, and I lose feel, perspective. I feel like, and you know, that you, you talked about it, like it was this nice persona and, and, and they had a very particular vision for what your show was going to be. And then you'd get a guy like Tom Selleck on there and you could see, you could see every fiber of your political being saying, I can't let it go. I should let well, it go. I, I said to them before he was on, mm -hmm. I said to my talent bookers, we'll do two full segments instead of one for his movie. Right. And in the second one, we're going to discuss the NRA because this was May of um, 99. So that right. was oh. one month after it happened. Right. And he had just come out with an ad that said, I'm Tom Selleck. The NRA teaches children good values. Like, and I said, this is your face. You give it to them. You support what they do. Why can't they stop assault rifle? Why can't they, you know, and it, it didn't seem to me that much of a heated conversation, but comparatively to how the conversations had always gone up to that point, it was a very different tone and a different sort of part of me. And, um, you know, just as valid as the happy kind of. Absolutely. And just as big inside of the, you know, trivial pursuit pieces of your psyche, of your personality, of your soul, mm -hmm. you know, each one is pretty much the same size. Right. right. Fill up those sections for what they matter. For right. You. Art, children, theater, love, light, the water, the ocean, you know, these are all family. These are all the things that I put in my little trivial pursuit thing. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I've always known that those were the things that I valued. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You saw, I mean, I, I, you know, I watched a few of those things back and then I watched some clips from the view and it's just like, 
those com- conversations and those moments and you you stayed right here with it and and I really do emulate that in a lot like I can get some you know some people saying some silly things about me um and I and I truly believe that no matter what comes at me what kind of craziness whether it's anti-vax stuff whether it's am I a boy or a girl or whatever that ridiculousness is but for for you to stay this calm I just feel as though there's always extremists that are never going to hear you. Right. But most people are somewhere in the middle. And if you catch that person somewhere in the middle and you do it gently with love and empathy, but firmly, you can just give them a little bit of a shove. You know, I had a radio show and I really loved doing it. And uh, one time when the war was just starting in Afghanistan and, you know, I was against it and, and, um, you know, went on some you know, political talk shows with no war on my clothes, like people used to do in the sixties. And day, right. Right. And, um, I had a radio caller that called in and said, you know, you said that our, our men are terrorists. I said, no, I said, I oh, want you, yeah, I want you to really think about who's occupying whose land, who's there, who sent them in. If someone had, you know, there's a wonderful documentary called to die in Jerusalem. This is mm-hmm. a little bit of a tangent, but it's two uh, women who were killed, one Israeli and one Palestinian. The Palestinian was a suicide bomber, was the first female suicide wow. bomber. Okay. And she put on a vest and went into this thing and blew herself up and only killed one Israeli girl. And they were the same height, the same hair, the same, so that they didn't know which body parts went to which person when they were both dead. And this filmmaker got their mothers, both of their mothers, to tell their story. And the mother in Palestine was saying her brother was shot dead in front of her and by Israeli troops. And um, we were, you know, we're put in ghettos here and, and, and talking all about the reality of if even making the documentary when she wasn't allowed because her daughter had died as a suicide bomber, the mother wasn't allowed to ride on the buses or she couldn't get a pass to go out of the community that, you know, and, and then there was the mother from the other side in Israel who had so much kind of warmth and compassion, but couldn't quite see the other side at all, you know, and I think that's generational trauma tattoo on the soul. It's generations and generate that they won't be able to see that, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's screaming that they should make peace there and they should acknowledge each other as people. And, you know, I think sometimes the wounds are too big to do that. You know? It's so true. It's so, I mean, I, I, I talk about the partition. I talk about forced migration. I talk about the creation of Israel and, and all of those things with my students. And I'll have, I'll have Jewish students, I'll have uh, Muslim students, you know, Palestinian, and they will all say, yeah, but Joanna, which side do you support? I'll say, I support both. I support healthy, happy trans, like a transmission into something else. I said, of course, you can support the state of Israel and still worry about those ghettos you're talking about and still listen to the Palestinian mother explain what her daughter went through that put her in that situation. And it's all 
so sad and so complicated. And I feel as though, and going back to our original subject, you have horrific politicians simplifying it to, to facilitate rage and empower themselves. And it, and it, all it does is make everything worse. Make everything worse without a doubt. And, you know, the, the politicians, um, the Republicans right now aren't even a party. They're just the believers in the lie and how we're ever going to wake them from the cult that they are in with all of this Tucker Carlson bullshit. That guy should be oh. arrested. I mean, what is he doing besides inciting people every single night? I just, you know, I, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I have a long list of those people that you have Tucker, you have guys like Ben Shapiro, you have guys even on the lower spectrum, like, like Joe Rogan or Jordan Peterson, who's a Canadian. We don't really want to claim him, but you have these individuals propagating this. And I don't understand. I keep flashing back to the show newsroom. Did you ever see newsroom? Yes. Right. I, I feel like it, there's nothing more poignant than that show. This idea that, News has become entertainment. And when it, the moment it became entertainment, and the moment they had to get paid for it, you get guys like Tucker Carlson. And there's no more news left. Where, where do you see the news anymore? Well, the news is irrelevant. You don't even, it doesn't even matter. You know, it, it doesn't really matter. Somebody will tell you an event that happened and then everyone will pick the narrative that they want following that little ingestion of, of uh, salacious material like all this stuff about that Gabby girl who was killed and um, and her, her boyfriend, everyone looking for the boyfriend. Like, you know, you don't even hear the story now on the news, really. Pretty much it was a meteor. It, it flashed brightly in front of all of our eyes and then disappeared. And, you know, it distracted us from all the other things. But it did force sort of people to look at the amount of indigenous women that are missing and killed every year. The amount of Hispanic women, women of color, um, you know, that was, I think, a, a really strong rallying point around her disappearance. The one benefit that could could come from this was for people to see that not only the blonde, white, pretty girls are worth investigating. Absolutely. And it goes back. I mean, you have this whole Facebook thing blowing up right now and everybody's talking about, oh, well, Facebook is all about propagating, you know, the negative and the divisive and the controversial. And when I heard her rendition, I can't remember her name right now, the whistleblower, when I heard her rendition, you know, I'm listening to her and I'm like, it, who, this isn't news, right? Does, did anybody think Facebook wasn't doing this? And has anybody watched Fox lately? Like this is going on everywhere. I said the other day to my students, if it bleeds, it leads. And my students looked at me and went, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, that's been the, that's been the news for a very long time, right? The more salacious yellow journalism has been around since the 1800s. If we can exaggerate it, if we can make it more salacious and more interesting. And even if we have to lie just a little bit, but we're going to sell papers or we're going to sell the whatever. This is a reflection, I think, unfortunately, of what we're consuming. Yes. And it's really who's in power. You know, we, what we consume media wise, you know, it has to do with who's the head of the studios. 
Right. You no, know, and, and Mark Zuckerberg, what we were consuming there, he made a deal with Trump. Right. Exactly. He made a deal with Trump. Mark Zuckerberg made a deal with Trump. That has to be illegal. It has. I just, I, I don't understand in my core how it's not and how it's not just crystal clear um, that it, it, it it's frustrating to watch these things play out and for people to pretend to take a side when I'm like, there's no side to take here, guys. This is there really isn't. There's no side to take. It's it's clear as day. And, you know, and then I start to think about what we consume on TV. And I thought, OK, so we're all watching. We're all on Facebook trading barbs. And sometimes that's what TikTok is. And it, and TikTok will pump out, let's say, you know, did you ever see the couch guy? You know, the guy that I thought was cheating on his girlfriend. Did you see that TikTok? No. Okay. So a girl walks in to surprise her boyfriend and she's filming it and he has his arm around another girl and he quickly does one, like one of these and then goes over and says, hi. And people have watched that video 3 million times, dissecting it frame by frame to find out if this guy was cheating. And, and it's not the video that's necessarily the, the issue. It's, it's what we just did. Right. Like in, the way in terms of it's what we just did in terms of being obsessed with the little snippet we were given. Absolutely. And, yeah. and the drama and the controversy, you know, I mean, I like the bachelor did just the woman, as much. Did the, excuse me. Did the woman put in what happened after or no? Um, I don't know. Well, I think she played it up like he was, cause she's trying to get views. Right. So I think she played it up like that. That guy, the guy has come on in TikTok and like said, guys, can you please get out of my business? Like you have no idea what you're talking about. But then I start thinking about, you know, we have shows like The Bachelor where we wait for the women to fight. Like we wait. It's the worst right? show ever on TV. I remember being on The View and thinking, or my own show and saying uh, when it was only The Bachelor, it hadn't been The Bachelorette yet. Right. I said, and if it was reversed and there was a Bachelorette, she'd just be the whore, right? There it is. There it is. And uh, I said that on TV. <laughs> yep. Well, but, but that's the truth. That's the truth. Those are the categories that we put people in still to this day. And again, like it comes down to what we want, what we demand, and then it's fed to us in order for whoever to make money on it. But so I think the change, and I see such amazing things, and I think the change, it starts with these amazing people that now have act. Nobody can control this, uh, maybe to some extent, but but they really can't, right? Right. Keepers have been locked out of the room. You don't. Yeah. You want to sing a song, and Sony tells you to piss off because they don't like your look, or they think you're too gay, or they think you're too this. You know what? Go put it on TikTok. Watch when Sony comes knocking at your door because it just blew up there, right? And these right. gatekeepers of art it's kind of beautiful. You kind of watch them crumble a bit and then come back around begging to be a part of whatever's going on. Yeah. I I think that, you know, I think that, um, I try to consume art in big chunks of things that are great, like succession, Mm -hmm. right? That show is so beautifully written. The complications of a family like a Murdoch family, right. how they made up this world or universe, or or maybe it's quite accurate. I don't really know, but it's so entertaining. 
and it so um, nourishes your soul. It awakens something in the human spirit that they have captured and put on the screen. Same with Hacks. Same with Ted Lasso. Hacks was just like, she is so funny. Yes. She is so funny. And for her, going through such pain, her husband just died, her husband of many years. And, you know, six months ago, and she's in the middle of the series. And, you know, it's, it's really, it is another beautiful show. It's just beautiful when everything merges together and it combines and it's beautiful, then that's art. And I always think this key to my success is I know how to consume art, you know? And when I'm depressed, when I'm down, when the world gets to be too much for me, that's what I do. I put on Sunday in the park with George. I go see Hamilton. I watch the way we were. Like I try just to consume, you know, consume it to keep me afloat for, especially when I see shit like misogynistic, ridiculous, the bachelor and the bachelorette, both of them are ridiculous. Who thinks that antiquated way? that you're going to find your love in a, you know, in a paradise Island and it's going to last forever. I mean, I don't watch that, but I, you know, I, there are phases with things like, I remember when survivor was exciting when you were now, you know, people don't even know it's on, but it's still on. I saw it last. It was still on. Right. Right. It's these things that we, you're right. I mean, and it's, it's interesting because we have so much that we can grasp. We have so much that we can hold on to. And, and it's just like you said at the beginning of this, what we choose to grasp, what we choose to hold on to is going to shape everything that comes thereafter. Totally. You got to fill up your pizza slices, you know, you got one pie, fill I it up. Want to play Trivial, trivial Pursuit? Yes, sure. Yes. So I know that we're running out of time. I want, cause I know that you have something else that you have to do after it, but I have 20 kind of rapid fire questions a little Excellent. bit more on the lighter side. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. All right, here we go. Texting or talking? Talking. Talking. Me too. Hands down. Last song, like your the last song you downloaded or streamed or really loved. It's the songs from inside by Bo Burnham. Oh, I don't know that. Bo Burnham did a special on Netflix mm-hmm. where he talks about the fact that it was a pandemic and that for the last five years he had quit performing live because of his panic attacks while he was on stage. Wow. So he created this show and he was about to tour it and the pandemic hit. So instead he created the whole show in a room, in one room. And he did all the lighting, the writing, the directing, the editing. Wow. It is a work of genius. It is, it got nominated for an Emmy, but did not win. It should have won. Uh, it's one of the most magnificent pieces of art that I've seen in the last 30 years. And it's called Inside. I'm going to watch it. Yeah, you're going to love it. All right, you ready? Invisibility yeah. or super strength? I think Invis- this says a lot about invisibility. Invisibility, come on. <laughs> Everybody's choosing that one. First celebrity crush. Kate you- Mulgrew. Nice choice. Yeah, Favorite Ryan on Ryan's Hope. Ryan's Hope. Oh, I missed that show. Favorite junk food? Uh, Taco Bell. Love it. Uh, favorite childhood cartoon? McGilla Gorilla. 
Oh, what a good! I thought you were contractually obliged to say the Flintstones, but I love your I love oh, your uh, gorilla for sale. It's amazing. Uh, this is a hard one. Would you rather cuddle a baby penguin or a baby panda bear? Panda bear. Panda bear. Godfather or Star Wars? Star Wars. Uh, what's your favorite car? If you have a favorite car. Um, you know, my kids have a joke that, and it's not really funny, but it's true. So, you know, it's mildly hurtful. Every car that I've ever liked and or purchased ends up on the ugliest cars ever. <laughs> so like the first car I had, uh, was like a gremlin and it had a little, and then I had a pacer with the nice. bubble back and I had a, uh, peachy cruiser. I had the, um, Honda element. Right. I had one of the, the, the Pontiac Aztec, which came with a camper in the back. I remember that car. Yeah. So I, every ugly car that I like is, that's where, you're going. That's where I go. Yeah. All right. All right. On a scale of one to 10, this is hard. Are you ready? Yeah. How good are you at wiffle ball? Seven. Seven. All right. Ask permission or beg for forgiveness? Beg for forgiveness. <laughs> Favorite TV show all time. Mary Tyler Moore. Of course. I, how did I know you? I don't think I've even heard you say that, but I knew you were going to say that. Favorite carnival food? Oh, boy. Cotton candy. Nice choice. All right. Rate your karaoke. Karaoke. I can't even speak. From your skills from one to Mariah Carey. Wow. I would say I'm a 19. A ni- <laughs> That's good. Favorite movie all time? Sound of Music. Sound of music. Scale of one. I feel like this is going to be a good one. Scale of one to 10. How good are you at trivia? I used to be a 10. Now I'd say I'm like an eight. Because I don't remember what I used to, you know, like I'll watch this woman on TV. I'm going, oh my God, I know her. Oh my God, I've worked with her. Oh my God, who is she? Like, I can't even remember people that I've worked with. So I would say, you know. Not good on the memory. Not good on the memory. This is a hard one. You ready? I know your answer to this, but my answer is going to be opposite. If you could push a button, I don't even know where I found this question. And and you could make everybody in the world 7% happier, but there would be no more hair care products for the entire world. Would you press the button? Totally. Of course you would. See, I can't. I, this is this is the money. I, I got to keep. I can't. People yeah, are going to. You could come up with something natural that would do that. You could take aloe. You and, think? Uh, yeah, come on. What? Just put aloe in my hair? Yeah, take some aloe from the plant, do this, and then struck it'll stick up fine. I'm not joking you. I'm going to go get a plant, and my next TikTok, I'm putting aloe in this, and we're going to see how it all plays out. All right. Favorite TV or movie quote? Um, TV or movie quote? Well, I have one from a musical. Does that count? Of, uh, I think so, yes. Is it going to be, are you going to sing it? No. And um, must my name until I die be more than just an alibi? Must I lie? How will I ever face my fellow man? How will I ever face myself again? My soul belongs to God, I know. I made that bargain long ago. He gave me hope when hope was gone. He gave me strength to carry on. Who am I? I'm Jean Valjean. It's from Les Miserables. Wow, I that that's 
And that was it. You knew that. I get goosebumps over here. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. I I feel like there's there's moments in TV and and movies. I mean, obviously, I love both. Half of my my whole bottom arm is tattooed with just TV and movie quotes, because I find that there's so much. And and to some people, it sounds superficial, but I find so much depth in something that can touch you for such a long period of time and apply in so many different ways. I mean, the quote you just said was, you know, amazing, but even in shorter quotes where you get where it changes who you are because you experience that and then you pulled it out and you can apply it. Well, you know, the first thing that came to mind was I hate spunk. Ed Asner <laughs> saying that to Mary Tyler Moore. Right. I hate spunk. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really think of TV quotes like that, but musicals, I can tell you a million from Les Mis to Hamilton to Evita to Pippin, you know, all every musical has had a song that left me weak in the knees. I think um, when I saw Rent, um, it was like, I play that song, if I feel bad, if, if, I, if I'm in any kind of mood, and my kids will see, I'll do it at school. I'll do it loud in my classroom before the day starts. Um, you play that 525,600 minute song yeah. and that's it. Everything about me changes. It just, everything softens, everything changes. And the perspective is just so incredibly powerful. Yes. I mean, you're a New Yorker, so you live right next to Broadway. You get to see them all firsthand. We got to wait a minute in Toronto to get them you know, out here. Yeah, but, you know, you get a lot of great ones up in Toronto. Some great shows start up there in Toronto and then come down. And, you know, I mean, I, I wouldn't, I went to Toronto a couple times to see shows. Joni yeah. Mitchell was performing there wow. and I went and saw her. Um, but I love flying up to Toronto. I, I think it's a wonderful little hamlet in the world where it's like a calmer, happier New York City. <laughs> Listen, only a New Yorker would call Toronto a hamlet. That's all. That's <laughs> a little hamlet. There's a tiny little hamlet of Toronto. This tiny little. Yeah. All right. This last one's harder. Ready? Really? You can have six guests come to dinner. Dead or alive. Who do you invite? Matilda Krim, who was the head of Amphar for many years, and she oh, died uh, four or five years ago. And I always loved and respected her. And she was a friend. And she's just so, uh, she was extraordinary in every way. I would say Eleanor Roosevelt, Harriet Tubman. Um, Joni Mitchell and uh, Gloria Steinem. Oh, yeah. Oh, that would be a nice table. I think that t- if you could get that table together, I'm pretty sure that's the revolution right there. Well, I would follow those women anywhere. So, yes. Amazing. Well, I know that you're running. I know you have another. I got another one of these. You have a lineup. I do. I say yes. And I uh, always want to follow through and try to be prepared and ready. Oh, like panicking. I'm like, where's the number? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I was late. Oh, what you do. I love watching you and I'm glad I'm getting to know you. And I'd love to, uh, you know, find out more about you. You know, I went. I went to Pittsburgh to shoot League of Their Own, 
um, TV show. I was a, a bartender that owned the bar in town. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And, um, I was Pittsburgh. What was I telling you about Pittsburgh? Is that where you went and met, um, up with that TikTok? Oh, yes. I met up with the girl from TikTok, big sexy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> her name is Kelsey, but her, her yes. mother is that and her mother. And it was just, you know, when you meet someone and you feel like you've known them forever. And sometimes even on TikTok, you get somebody's vibe and you go, Whoa, that's one of my people, you know? Absolutely. And I got to meet her, which was so nice. And I know some little groups, cause I find TikTok a little bit clicky. Some <laughs> of the little clicky groups are getting together for, you know, come in October and meet me and it's Halloween and you know who else is doing that? I just saw Paige from Georgia. Did you see that she came out as a Trumper? No, it's Georgia. She came out as a Trumper. Oh, Paige. I feel like that, like, she's young, right? She's super young. I don't know who's surrounding her. She grows, she's grown up in a very, I'm just going to guess a very, and I'm just assuming here, in a very particular demographic and, and, and I think if, as, he, she's the kind of person, she's the kind of person that's sitting here and you just got to give her a little bit of a love and just a bit of a push. You know, I, I honestly believe I felt that I felt that too towards her, like a big sister, like on the softball <laughs> team that I was a senior and she was a freshman right. and I just wanted to go, come here, kid, let me show you how to do a double play. Right. And, um, but then when I found out she's a Trumper, it all dissipated for me. I thought I can't, I do not want to engage. Yeah. Well, I, I wonder, I also, I always wonder who's in their lives. Yeah. I always wonder, she's a young, um, obviously she's, she's gay and she's from that. And I wonder who's in her life that's gearing her that way and what she has to do to survive maybe where she is, you know, I, I'm very lucky. Look, Toronto, the hamlet that we are, I'm very lucky that I got to grow up here because you know, coming out and, you know, dressing however I dress in my tattoos and whatever, I've got to feel pretty safe, you know, and I love New York. I, it would, if I had to choose a, a place in the States to live, that's it. I do like the weather in California, but I, I am an East coast kind of girl. Yeah. Um, and I'm lucky. I didn't have to grow up in Lincoln, Nebraska. I didn't yeah, have to. You know, you're totally right. And me too, from New York, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's really, <laughs> something that we'll never know what it's like to grow up gay in the middle of the country. And, you know, I, I have compassion for her in that way, but I don't know the Trumper thing. I just thought, Oh Jesus, let's just it's leave hard. it. Over. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. And it's this, this bastion of freedom, this, this misrepresentation of freedom and what that means and who's wielding it and how they're wielding it. And I just think people, some people, who maybe haven't stepped out of, I think she's from Macon, Georgia. You haven't stepped out of there yet. You just don't know yet. You know, I've traveled to a lot of many different, I go to the States all the time. I've traveled most of Europe, parts of Africa. And I mean, I, I feel like my education's important, but holy crap, like those parts being in Tanzania changed my life. I, I can't even describe it. Right. And for a lot of people in the States, especially they don't leave their town. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I have really little desire to see other countries. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. 
I have panic when I'm not around my children, when my oh. children are not like in the same arena as I am. And I just always am anxious when I go. I, I've been to Italy. I've been to France. I've been to London. But I'm not someone who loves traveling. I, you know, I always think if something happened in France, what am I going to say? I think it could be my gallbladder, but it might be my appendix in French. You know, like it, it's, I don't know. I have so much anxiety that I, I people have told me. English now. Yeah. People have you're, told you're me. You'll be that fine. I, you can say appendix. They'll know what it is. So you. Yeah. I don't know. I just don't love it. I mean. My ex-wife, Kelly, is now a travel agent, and all she ever wanted to do was travel, and I would rather stay in my own house in Miami than go to the Riviera. In in Florida. Are you going over to Florida anytime soon, considering what's going on down there? When? Oh, I'm done with Florida <laughs> after all this. Seriously, I'm done. I moved out to California, and I, you know, Miami had been my home for... 25, 30 years, and I just can't anymore. Right. I, I keep playing my favorite, my favorite movie is Jaws. And I, and when it comes to Florida, I keep playing again and again and again. You're the mayor that wants to keep the beach open. All I can think about is that quote. And that's, it's just like, you're just going to let your people die. You're fine with that. Just let them. Why? Because I want to make money because this is summer money. I, and I'm like, did anybody see the movie in 1975? Like it, this right. is a direct correlation. Definitely. A hundred percent. They do and have that's what I felt with Trump too. I felt that's yeah. what he was doing. He wanted to keep the beach open and his illusion open. And, you know, this kind of facade that, fooled all these people and anything he could do to antagonize the right wing militias that adore him, you know, mm -hmm. he would do. And look at January 6th. I mean, the fact that he's not locked up right at this moment is infuriating. It doesn't make any, it makes no sense. It may, the, what doesn't make sense isn't even the fact that he got elected, which is in and of itself a, a conundrum, but the fact that that wasn't clear as day to every single person, it wasn't like it's this thing that happened that wasn't recorded. There is, there are miles of footage showing exactly what happened from start to finish. Yep. And, and this is the reality and you still have we to saw it live. We saw it live. Just like the buildings on nine 11, we watched it happen. We watched it's it happen with our own eyes. It's infuriating. And I think, you know, it's interesting when you have something this horrific happen in a country and it, and it propagates such insanity. It is always amazing to me. The, the, sometimes the good and the beauty that can come out of it because people that are good and there's more of us than not and people that are smart and there's more of us than not all of a sudden say, I can't be quiet anymore. I can't just stand back and let this happen anymore, right? I can't be a bystander. Speaking of going back to the Holocaust, I can't stand by anymore, right. you know? And you see all of these amazing women like um, Amanda Gorman, the, the person that did these. Oh, yes. Oh. And to hear her sit on those talk shows and say, no, I will be the first female president or whatever. Sure. I, I will be president of this United States. I was like, and I believe you, you know? T-shirt now. Yes. Absolutely. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you for having me.
Thank you. Absolutely amazing. I I really do want to come down and have a game of catch. I'm just saying. I would do it. You're ever in LA, you let me know. A hundred percent. And anytime you, you, any new event that you want to talk about, I would, you know, love for you to come back on and talk about anything in current events or anything you find important. Totally. I would love to. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to John. Appreciate all your work. Dismissed.